take our Bibles and stand, please, and turn to John chapter 17. We'll read verses 20 through 23 together. We'll read these verses today all in unison. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. And again, let's read all four of these verses together in unison this morning. Ready? Let's begin. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. And let's pray. Father, thank you again for our church. Lord, thank you that this is a place where your presence is known that the Holy Spirit is welcome and has been asked for. And Lord, in just a moment, after the special, our preacher will stand to preach your holy book. Father, please fill our preacher with your power. Fill us with your power as we listen. Lord, change our hearts, change our eternity, and may we be used to change someone else's as well. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you'll listen to me very carefully, I would appreciate it this morning. I want us to settle ourselves. As our church grows, there are new people that come to our church. And may I say to those new people, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to know that once the church service begins, we are to settle in. We're not to get up, walk in, walk out. If there's an emergency, we understand that. But other than that, the preaching of the Word of God should get our utmost attention. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. There's a little truth that is found in the Bible. I'll very briefly touch on it by way of introduction as I preach this morning's sermon, and that is this. There's a difference in sin and evil. Uh, Evil is sin, but sin is not necessarily always found in the realm of evil. It's different levels, different intensities of wrong. Sin, when you sin, it affects you primarily, but when you get to the point where you're evil, you're affecting others with your sin. That could include gossiping and backbiting, and, and that's when your behavior, your sinful behavior tends to become malicious. You're out to get somebody, or you're out to hurt somebody, or pull somebody in to your wrong. This word you'll hear throughout the day. See, dis, dis, if, if, if you cause disunity in the church, that makes you evil. Disunity creates or is evil. Now listen, if you steal a candy bar, you've sinned. But if you gossip or create division in the church, that's evil. It is worse for you to be a part of division or unity than for you to just hurt you. You understand that? It's worse for you to become a part or a movement of disunity because, see, that's evil. If you want to hurt just you, then go out in the field and beat the snot out of yourself. But don't beat the snot out of the New Testament church because that becomes evil, see. That's evil. 
I know I'll get take a task on this. Uh, I'd rather that you be struggling with the sin of smoking than be struggling with the sin of backbiting and causing disunity in the church. And I'd rather you not struggle with smoking either. But I'm just telling you that evil is a it's a bump up in regard to wrong. Now, stay with me, if you will, please. Our God is a three part God. But he's combined into being one God. I say this all the time. God is, there's our God. He's called a triune God. There's a word, the Trinity. The Trinity is our one God, but he's got three parts. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. These three are one God. You say, I need you to explain that to me better. I can't. You just have to accept it by faith. Yes. See, if I could explain everything about God to you, then, uh, then my God wouldn't be such a big God. There are some things about God you have to accept by faith. That's what makes him God. And that what, that's what makes us just lowly human beings. And that is indeed what we are. But our God is a three-part God. But listen to this. Listen to what God says about himself over and over again. 1 John 5, 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4, it says, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. One God. One God. One God. One God. He kept saying that. Mark chapter 12, verse number 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But wait a minute. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then God turns around and emphasizes, there are we, we are made up of three parts, but we are one God. And don't you get that wrong. He said, you better accept that. There are three of us, but we are one. In Galatians 3.20 it says, Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Ephesians 4.6 says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There he says it again, one, one God. First Timothy 2.5 it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One he said, one, we're one. There's three parts to us, but we're one. Don't get it mixed up. Don't try to separate us. James chapter 2, verse number 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. In other words, the devil knows that our God is one God. Those people that can't accept the Trinity and can't accept the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one God. The devil, the devil even knows that's true. Now... These three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, have perfect unity. They are three. They are in one accord. They are an unstoppable unit. These three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all combined into one unit, they're powerhouses. The Bible says we ought to be one. We ought to, in the New Testament church, want to be like the Trinity. You know, one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible to me is Psalm 133, verse 1, where it says... Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let me analyze that verse for you real quick. 
Let me read it again. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The word behold there is a word of, wow, amazing. It's almost a word saying that's uncommon. God is saying it is a bit uncommon for people to get along because the natural, the natural man doesn't get along with man. They fuss and they fight and they gripe and they complain. And he said, behold, it's almost like Houdini and they're getting ready to pull back the curtain. And everybody says, behold, the great Houdini. And if you can find a church where the people get along, God says, wow, pull back the curtain. Behold, look at this. Behold. How good it, the word pleasant here, it says, behold, how good and pleasant. The word pleasant there, it means sweet, means delightful, means agreeable. God said, wow, how sweet, how delightful, how agreeable it is that we dwell together. Now, the word dwell there is like the word dwelling. And it's not talking about you and I getting along in our dwelling, uh, not my house or your house. It's talking about the house of God. He said, behold, you get the brethren together and they get along and they're sweet and delightful and agreeable. And it, then it says, listen, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in, in, together in unity. The word unity there means one unit. It says you're to be one unit. Why? Well, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are a perfect example of three that could be divided among themselves, but they're not. They're one. Listen to this verse. If you and I don't live in unity in the church, the result is found in Galatians 5.15. Listen very carefully. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Now we see the ones are separating themselves and are biting and devouring one another. Bite and devour. Get, get that. Listen to it. Bite and devour. Then it says you bite and devour one another to the point that you consume one another. What you talking about? Spiritual cannibalism. Yes, sir. There are some of you this week, you have the blood running down your face of your backbiting another Christian brother. You've been biting and gnawing at people. You've got spiritual blood running down your face. You are in the process of consuming. You're eating alive somebody else and their reputation with your behavior. Let me read the verse to you again, just in case you missed it. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Are you a spiritual cannibal? Are you my church cannibal? I call this sermon, you won't, ha- you won't have a hard time remembering the name of it. I call the sermon One. O-N-E, One. 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 Listen now. We see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Very insistent upon that. Now let me show you what God expects of me and you. Listen to this. We read it earlier as the text verse. John chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Neither I pray, uh, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their, their, uh, their, their word. Now listen to this. 
Jesus is saying, I'm not just praying for the ones that are with me right now. I'm praying to those down the line many, many years from now that will be in the church as well. He's saying, I'm talking about me and you. See, Jesus is talking about me and you now. Listen, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me uh, through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. God said that when Christians unify and they're one, like Jesus and God were one, the world believes in the church more. He said, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You understand five times that from verse 20 to 23, he said, Christian, uh, you are to be one with your brother. Christian, you are to be one with your brother. Christian, you are to be one with your brother. Christian, you are to be one with your brother. Over and over and over and over and over again, he insists upon it. He said, don't you be the church cannibal, consuming, biting and gnawing on people. He said, we unify together and we love God and we become one as God and Jesus are one. That's what he said. No ministry becomes great or stays great without unity. Every person in this church is to do their part to make our church a unified church. I have a question for you. Are you doing your part? Literally, sitting in the balcony. Is our church more unified because of you or less unified? More unified or less unified? The lower floor. More unified or less unified? More unified or less unified? Because of you. See, you have a responsibility to your portion of the unification. God the Father and God the Son say, we want to be unified. And the Holy Spirit says, well, I'm not going to do my part. Then we got a problem, don't we? Yes, sir. If the Holy Spirit and Jesus say, we're going to do our part to stay unified. And God the Father said, well, I'm going to go my own route. I'll do what I want. Now you got a problem. The Trinity is no longer one. Now, there are three parts to the Trinity that are unified that make up the example that has been given to you and I. Now, here it may be just a little bit more difficult because everybody here that is a member of this church, you have a portion of responsibility for the unification of this New Testament church. Now, you're either contributing to the positive of it or you're contributing to the negative of it. Now, is our church more unified or less unified because of you? It's a personal thing. Are you a unifier or are you a divider? The copy of the sermon, the name of the sermon this morning is called One. For instance, first point. We're to be of one spirit, the Bible says. One spirit. Philippians one twenty seven says this. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whatever I, but that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving for the faith of the gospel. The word spirit here. It is said, Paul said, when I come to you, I want to hear, if I don't get to come to you, I want to hear that you're of one spirit. 
Now, the word spirit here is not the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, when you see in the New Testament the word spirit and the S is a capital, that is the Holy Spirit part of the Godhead. This word spirit here is talking about your spirit. He said, our spirits are, be, are to be one. It's talking, the word spirit there has a lot to do with our attitude. Uh, you ought to have an attitude of unification for your church. We're to be of one spirit. We ought to have the attitude of unification. Any, anybody who has been in a fundamental Baptist church any time at all knows the importance of unification and the danger of division in a New Testament church. If you've been in a church any time at all, you have to say you don't want division in your church. You want unity in your church because that division thing will destroy a church. So those of you that have been in a the right kind of church, you need to make sure that you're always nurturing your spirit, your attitude about unification and everybody else's attitude about staying unified so the church can be one as God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit are one. So you always. Christians, you know the importance of it. But some of you newer members, let me explain something to you. The church is to pull together. We're to, to, we're, we're, we're to unify. And that means now you say, I, I didn't know that. I knew in the church. Well, then now you know. Uh, we, we're, to, we're, we're to have unification in the church, not division in the church. And if you're a brand new member, you just joined us last week, or you've been in this church for 70 years, you, you've got to face the responsibility of keeping unification as an issue in your attitude why it says spirit said you ought to be of one spirit in other words you got to keep that spirit you've got to keep that attitude of 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 unity now there's some of you you know this but you've forgotten it can i can i tell you something you being filled with the holy spirit will help you to keep the right attitude in your spirit you better guard your attitude about unity And this is so we all understand this is for all ages. Children can create disunity in a church. Children. Children can go out on the playground and create disunity. You children. And I I realize a lot of the kids are over the kids crusade. But I'll say children are not to create disunity in the church any more than than some adult. Teenagers are not to create disunity in the church. Teenagers can, they, they, they can wreak havoc in regard to the, 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 the spirit of a church. And, and, and every parent and every child here, you, you better take a good long look at how we all handle ourselves before we find ourselves in a situation of disunity because of the way we handle ourselves. And it doesn't matter how old we are. If you're a young If you're a young church member or an old church member, if you're five years old or you're 60 years old, if you've been in the church forever or you just joined the church, God said, I want to hear that you have a spirit of unity. In other words, it's you realize the importance of unity. And look, there's some of you, you would say, I'll tell you what, I I hate liquor. I think that nobody ought to be out there drinking that booze and that's a sin out of hell. But your fat mouth creates division and you... You think somehow that your backbiting and disunity is not in the same category as somebody going out and getting drunk. I've got news for you. Your disunity is evil and their drunkenness is sin. 
All ministries are to strive and have an attitude of unity. The bus ministry ought to want to be, have unity with the youth ministry. And the youth ministry ought to want to have unity with the nurseries. And the nurseries ought to want to have unity with uh, the senior citizen ministry. And, and, uh, and Brother Bush's adult Sunday school class ought to want unity with, uh, with uh, uh, Brother English's adult Sunday school class. And Brother English's class ought to want to have unity with Brother Young's adult Sunday school class. And all the classes we all pull together. I'll tell you what. I can deal with people that sin in the church. But I'll tell you, you'll blow it if you create disunity. I can deal with people messing up their lives and making mistakes. But I'll tell you, when it gets to the point that evil becomes prominent and people are out to get people and people are angry with people and people are attacking people, I'd rather see you drunk. Because I can salvage your individual sin. But when you're out to attack people, destroy people, you're being malicious toward people, you will destroy yourself. Relax, that's only point one. We ought to have a spirit of unity. Our attitude ought to be a unified attitude. One spirit, the Bible says. Then the Bible says one heart. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, and of one soul. The word heart in the Bible is usually not referring to the blood-pumping organ. Very rare are you going to hear or see the word heart, and it means your organ that's got, you know, all the valves and everything in it. What's it talking about? It's talking about the seat of your emotions. So God comes along and he says, you're to be of one spirit. In other words, you're you're to have an attitude of unification and promoting it and always guarding against it. Because if you don't keep that attitude, it could destroy you. Somebody that sins, that's salvageable. So many times when somebody becomes evil, you scatter everybody and the world doesn't like it. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to be around it. Now he comes along and says, you ought to be of one heart. What's a heart? The heart is the seat of your emotions. We should be of one heart. What's that mean? We ought to love the same things. Folks, we ought to love people getting saved. God tells us, I'm going to give you common loves. And if a church has a common attitude about protecting the unity and the spirit in a church, and if they'll get common loves, they can withstand the bombardment of the devil and the world. We ought to love the same things. You know what a church is supposed to do? And what's it talking about? It's talking about your emotions. God is saying, let's all get our emotions where they're supposed to be. Let me tell you something. The reason why some of you will create disunity is because you cannot control your emotions. When emotions get out of control, disunity is usually the result. I promise you. Every time. Every time somebody acts emotionally instead of on purpose spiritually, it creates division among God's people. So God said, you keep an attitude of one spirit. You get your heart locked in. So your emotions, the seed of your emotions, uh, is reminded of the importance of unity. Uh, Listen, when one person in our church hurts, we're all supposed to hurt. When one hurts, we all hurt. What is that? That is one heart. 
One heart. Be good for some of you. See, I'll tell you what would help some of you. Some of you hear that somebody's teenager messes up and does something stupid. Instead of you attacking them, you might want to put your child in that very situation and ask yourself, wow, you would want everybody to treat you if your child made a mistake. Because if you're not careful, you'll have a heart for you, but not a heart for somebody else. One heart. Hey, when somebody's in a car accident, it would do, it would do some of you good. You say, I don't even know them, but they're a member of my church. You ought to hurt for them. Yeah. Hurt for them. What am I talking about? I'm telling you, we're to be of one spirit. We're to be of one heart. When someone passes away in the church, we all ought to grieve. Say, I don't even know them. They're part of your family. Our, our, our member, Philip Davis, passed away a couple of weeks ago. A lot of you did not know him. But let me say, Philip didn't come to church as much as what we wish. But he was as much a part of this church as those of you that are here 52 weeks a year. He was saved and saved by the same God. And he was a part of the family of God. And when one grieves, we all grieve. When one hurts, we all hurt. When, 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 when there's pain, we should try to feel that pain. We should love the, the winning of the souls of men. Listen, folks, let me tell you what will help a church. And if we want to be one, as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one, when we are in the process of reclaiming the backslidden, we all say, that's what I want. You just give me a church where somebody doesn't want some backslidden person reclaimed. Now you got a problem. It'll cause division. God is saying when he talks about being of one heart, he's talking about get our emotions on the same track. When he talks about our spirit, he's saying get your attitude on the right track. Get your attitude on the right track. Get your emotions on the right track. Get the right rhythm with your emotions. You see, if you misuse your emotion of hate, you will destroy the unity of the church. Say, am I supposed to hate? hate? Yes, you are. You are to hate. Some people say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. You're not to hate. F- foolishness. The Bible says these six things doth the Lord hate. God hates. But God doesn't hate people. God hates sin. And we are to hate sin. And, 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 and your pastor hates sin. And I will preach against sin. And I, and I won't change my mind about preaching against sin. Someone said, well, I I think in years to come, we'll change you. I'll leave here before you'll change me. I am what I am, and I'm like Popeye. I plan to stay what I am. Listen, when he says of one heart, he's saying to all of us, get control of your emotions. Because when you lose control of your emotions, your emotions will get out, get, get, get out of your control to the point where you'll hate people instead of hating sin. You'll, you'll, have, you'll have feelings about people that you have no right to have. There are people in this room you, 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 right now. You, you're virtually out to get somebody in your mind because of their sin. I've got news for you. You're a dirty, rotten sinner too. Watch out. One heart. One heart. When your emotional outburst causes disunity, you're very harmful. Yes, sir. You know, you take somebody to go out and 
smoke a cigarette, they didn't, they didn't attack the, the, the unity of the church. But your emotional, out-of-control way, that can, send, that, that can send sheep just running everywhere. Watch out! Here she comes! Watch out! Your lack of patience will cause disunity in the church. What is it? He's saying be of one heart. Patience has something to do with your emotional character. There's some of you, you think you're real high on the character scale, but you cannot control your emotions. You understand it is character that causes one to control their anger and their mouth. I got more character than them. You can't control yourself and you know it and your family knows it too. It's time for you to get control of yourself. It's called emotional character. We all okay? Sometimes I think it's humidity. This morning, I know it's not. Your misuse of the emotion of anger can cause disunity. It can cause it in your family. It can cause it in the church. Your emotional reaction hurts spiritual unity. Can I tell you all something? Before you react, you might want to sit down, pray about it, think about it, look at the Bible about it, plan your response. See what you say, how you say it, when you say it, and who you say it to. Give it a little bit of time. If not, you'll cause disunity in your behavior. So, what's the, the title of the sermon is one. God said, be of one spirit. God said, be of one heart. In other words, have a right attitude about unity. Make sure you have your emotions under control, because if you don't have your emotions under control, that's your heart, you're going to have a problem. Then it says, be of one mind. One mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11 says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love shall be, uh, the, the, the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now let's talk about one mind. You say, which mind is this? The way we be of one mind is Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's not saying be of one mind Jeff Owens' mind. It's not saying be of one mind of your mind. It's saying be of one mind his mind. That's what we're we're talking about God's way, not your way. Say, well, my opinion is. It really doesn't matter what your opinion is. Doesn't matter what my opinion is. Boils down to what does the Bible say? Now, God said, you know, if, if we are going to be, he, here he talks about being of one mind. Uh, we need to be a, a church like ours. Uh, we need to be of one mind that God in this day wants the same old time religion they had in Jesus' day. Now, that is scriptural. He, he, he said that the day will come when they will not be able to endure sound doctrine. They'll gather to themselves having itching ears and they'll become self-centered. And it's all in the Bible. It says that day's coming. That does not mean you and I change what he gave us to be originally. So you, so you understand our church is an old time religion church. We're not modernists. We're not contemporary. And don't you cause disunity about that? One mind. Be of one mind. That means you, we think about and believe and teach the same doctrine. If you're in our church, let me explain something to you. We believe that salvation is by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't work your way to heaven. Now, we're to be of one mind about the doctrine. The Bible, the Bible very clearly teaches this thing in the New Testament they called, they called the speaking of tongues. It was not gibberish. It was a known language. 
That's what this church believes. That's what the Bible believes. Baptism is to be by immersion after salvation. We're to be of one mind about the doctrines of the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that the deacon board is supposed to bully the, the pastor around. This is a church that believes in what's called pastoral authority. And that means that I am responsible to God to lead and guide this church. I have a deacon board. We get along fine. We don't have any problems. They don't try to tell me what to preach or how to do things. We unify. We pull together and we solve problems. But I'll not be ran by a deacon board. You say, well, I'm not used to that. Uh, we, have to, we have to get used to being of one mind. One mind. And you check the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches. We believe the King James Bible is the inspired, preserved word of God. Of one mind. This is a Baptist church. I'm sure you've seen the sign. Of one mind. We're to separate from wilderness. We're of one mind. The Holy Spirit of God is available for you and I and is shielding us at the time of our salvation. And that Holy Spirit, and so you know that Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to the word of God. That's what the Bible teaches. We are to be of one mind about that. You, you look in the New Testament, it tells us what kind of music God approves of. We're to be of one mind. I think, and there's some of you who don't like this, the Bible teaches very clearly that the man is to be the head of the household. I don't like that. Well, you won't be in one mind around here because I'll say things like that from time to time. And, and let me tell you something. You say, well, preacher, there's something that I disagree with you about. You need to learn how to disagree. Someone, someone once said, eh, preacher, if I don't agree with you about everything, uh, I guess I'm disloyal. No, you can disagree with me about something. Disloyalty comes in how you behave about your disagreement. See, now, and let me tell you, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to say this kindly, and I mean this out of the kindness of my heart. If you don't believe the Bible doctrine that we teach and we see and that is in this, in this church... You either come and keep your mouth shut, or you can go. But don't you cause disunity. You'll find this. Brother Owens will try to help you if you're immoral. Brother Owens will try to help you if you drink. Brother Owens will try to help you at whatever your sin. You start causing disloyalty in my church, you're going to have a tiger by the tail because I know what evil does to a church. I'm not afraid of you. I would be in this instance. I'm not trying to make anybody afraid of me. But, but I will make it clear. You try to destroy the unity and the fiber of this church. I'm not afraid to say, why don't you just go on up the road? We don't need that. We've worked too hard to get where we're at. Nobody here is perfect, including me, but this book is. Say, so, well, you, 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 know, you need me. One thing about a soul winning church, so you understand, we can replace you so fast your head will spin. You are sitting in a chair that somebody else used to sit in. You say you're looking for a war? No. I'm just telling you. You disagree with the doctrine of salvation? Don't you go around, don't you go around spreading your doctrine. Don't you do that. And so... All I'm saying, the Bible says that in Romans 15, 5, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. We believe in Christian education. We believe the Bible is the word of God. You say, well, my old church didn't think this way or that way. You're not in your old church anymore. If you agree with your old church, you can go back there. So you're not increasing attendance. 
Uh, I'm increasing the purity and the unity, though. And again, you say, I disagree with you on some. There are people in this church that disagree with me on things, but they handle themselves very well about it. He said, one spirit, one heart, one mind. And he said, one judgment. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. There be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Goodness, what expectation on us. What expectation. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. We believe that. We believe that's how we're to live. But, you know, folks, when there are decisions that need to be made outside of what you would call the doctrine of the word of God, somebody's got to lead and somebody's got to make those decisions. And if we're not careful, so I, I, I just don't like that. But, you know, uh, the, the preacher made that decision because that's what he prefers. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll guess there'll be some time since I leave this organization that might happen. But, but as long as we're doing that, which is right doctrinally. We all need to pull together and make it work. Church decisions, we're to stick together. Can I tell you, we're getting ready to remodel our our balcony up here a little bit. Because if you sit in the balcony, you can't see everybody at the altar. Can I tell you, there are churches all across America that would split over that decision. We like the balcony the way it is. We're pulling our ties. We're going up the road. We're not. You're going to change that balcony. Now, but I I looked all the way through the Bible. I didn't see any commandments about balcony and balcony structure. And and I'm just trying to do what's right. And you say, that's your opinion. Yeah, I guess it is. But if you'll go up there and sit, you would have the very same opinion as I. You can't you can just barely you can't see the altar. You say, what's the big deal about seeing the altar? Because I need the people up there to know that there are people that come to this altar and get saved. It helps some of them to come down here every once in a while. And there are people in the balcony that come down here. I'm not saying they don't, but I am telling you, them seeing the movement of God will make a difference. But there are churches that would split over that. You want to split, split over the doctrine of salvation. You want to split, split over the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. You want to split, you split over the, 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 the purity of the Word of God. But you don't split over stupid little opinions. And so you all know I'm not worried about a split. I'm not worried about a split at all. I'm not trying to fix something. I'm trying to keep something from happening two years down the road. One judgment. We start a new Sunday school class. You know what? We're all saying, Amen. 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 Nothing wrong with starting a new Sunday school class. We're going to fix the basement of the new building up over here. So I don't understand it. I'll try to explain it the best I can. We can't have Sunday school over there. We can't get people saved over there. We need more meeting room. God's been blessing our church. So we've got to put money and work and fix it. Now you understand? Yeah, you know, and the best thing for all of us to do is this, let's do it. Yes, right. As being of one mind, one judgment. Somewhere along the way, you've got to gel everything into some judgment calls. You hire a new staff member. 
And we hire people that love the Lord and they're separated and they're, uh, they're, they're, their wife is, you know, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a, a man, the wife has got to be on board and, and we do the best that we can. And you hear that some staff, most of the time people that are upset that a staff member got hired, they're just mad because it wasn't them. You see, we have a, the superior part, the upper level of our decision making the same judgment is the Bible. The Bible is the final authority. Yes. Now, you know, all other decisions are going to take some unity then on our part. Have to stick together. I think I told you all, I know a church down south and uh, pastor, they were reaching so many people. They'd used up all their property. They had a great big tree on their property. And the pastor, he went to the congregation and said, folks, we don't have any more parking we could pick up a dozen parking spaces by that tree and have big roots. And I mean, it, it, it's a big deal. So we can pick up a dozen parking spots and let's get that tree out of there so we can use it for parking so we get more people saved. Somebody stood up and said, well, get rid of that tree. Tree's been here for a long time. Pastor said, well, is it, not that we're mad at the tree. We're just trying to help reach more people. They had a church split over it. About two years later, the pastor got so tired of all the bickering about it. He said, I'm leaving. I'm going to stay here and live like this. Ought not be that way. We got to learn how to, to back one another's judgment calls here and there. Let me tell you why, folks. When, when we talk about one judgment, this is one of the reasons why God tells us not to be passing judgment on each other. Because it causes disunity among God's people. One thing that I love about our church is I, I really don't know anybody in our church that opposes the doctrines of the Bible that are taught. And if you, if you keep it that way, then you go to that second level where disunity can come. And that is with some of the judgment calls. And as long as you feel like the leadership is sincere and they're trying hard and they're decent people. Why don't, you, why don't we just all pull together and say, you know what? You know, something didn't quite go right right there. I don't think they intended it to happen. They weren't trying to be malicious toward uh, the propriety of something. Sure makes a difference. And the Bible says one walk. Bible mentions that we ought to be of one spirit, that's an attitude, then of one heart, that is the control of the emotion, then of one mind in our thinking, and then of one judgment. Two levels, the, the authority of the Word of God is the, the, the most prominent part of the judgment, but the other part is just believing that we are doing right, and then there are those judgment calls that have to be made on the basis of a little bit, I suppose, of opinion or preference, but as long as we're doing the conservative right thing, then we all stay together on that, and then one walk. Amos 3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? That means we're all heading in the same direction. Not just where you're at, but where you're heading. Two are walking together. They're walking, they're moving. They're going in the same direction. You'd be shocked how many people are facing in the direction we're going, but they're, getting, they're not walking. They're getting ready to turn and go the other direction. Matter of fact, there could be people on the path that I'm on and they could already have turned and, and, and be getting ready to go the other direction. I know some old, old fashioned fundamentalists who used to be walking the same path. They have turned and are getting ready to go the opposite direction. I know some that that didn't used to believe right, but they're coming toward believing right. 
You can trust the ones that are not where they ought to be who are heading in the right direction more than you can the ones that used to be going the right direction that are getting ready to head away from the right direction. Sometimes the pastor can see who's going where. You can tell. You can tell if someone's still moving in the the same direction. You can tell who's stopped on the path. You can tell who's turned around. Say, everything looks the same to me. Yeah, but you can't see which way they're looking. It's called perception. One walk. Now, it's not necessary that we are all at the same place on the path. But we're all on the same path heading in the same direction. That's where, now look, you're all going to have to learn to be patient with people. There's some of you who've been around the church forever and you understand separation. You understand all sorts of things about the New Testament church. We've got some brand new people. They don't understand it. That doesn't mean they're walking away from you. They may be walking on the very same path, heading where you're heading with the same purpose you have. They've just not grown like you have grown yet. There are some of you who are critical today of people who are what you were 10 years ago and you were sincere. And you were going in the right direction, heading in the right direction. So somebody could be walking 10 steps behind me, but they're still walking in the same direction that I am. They've not grown. They don't understand everything that I understand or that you understand, but they're coming in the right direction. When it talks about one walk, can two walk together except they be agreed? To me, direction is an issue. And folks, you'll have to understand our church's direction. We are not, nor will we be a contemporary ministry. A man asked me yesterday, he said, uh, how big is your congregation? I said, well, any Sunday morning we'll have anywhere between 900 and 1100 in Sunday school. He said, how many services do you have? I said, one. He said, don't you need different services for the different crowds? I said, we only have one crowd. He said, and what's that? I said, just the same old crowd that we've always had. He said, but, but I don't understand. I said, well, maybe I don't understand what you have. He said, well, we have, we have a contemporary service and we have a... I said, oh, no, no, we don't have those. He said, well, which one have you chosen? I said, I didn't choose. God did. Amen. That's our direction. He said, I'm here to change you. The laughter is, it honors me. (laughs) Uh, Martinsburg Christian Academy is not going to be a public school. And it's not going to be just a private school. It's a Christian school that is a ministry of the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. Our direction is old time religion. This is a Baptist church. That's our direction. Our direction is not toward a denominational style ministry. Um, so you, I want everybody here to understand something as your leader, first of all, God appointed, then church accepted, you get that terminology, God appointed church accepted. Just so you all understand my loyalty is to the Shenandoah Bible Baptist church. 
My loyalty will be, first of all, to the Old Paz Baptist College. My loyalty will be, first of all, to the Old Paz Conferences. My loyalty will be, first of all, to the Youth Conference here. My loyalty will be, first of all, to Our Ladies Conference. My loyalty will be, first of all, to my staff. My loyalty will be, first of all, to my church. That's my, there's my primary loyalty. And if others want to dabble in what we do, that's fine. But my loyalty is here. And people across the nation know that, too. What's that? Direction. The direction of our college is training people for full-time Christian service. Yes, um, our direction. Uh, our direction in, in regard to separation. We believe we're to be separate from the world. My direction is not a socialistic direction. Right. Our direction is not to unify with other, other organizations of different beliefs. Yes, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than glad to root for somebody out there doing a, a, a good thing for a good cause. But we are not going to yoke up with everybody over a good cause. Right. We yoke up with those of like faith. Yes. You say, why? Because I don't want division in my ranks. Personal soul winning is our direction. The importance of the family is our direction. Parents, young people, I will not stop screaming and yelling about the need of purity among young people. I'm just going to hammer it and I'm going to hammer it. And some of you get mad at me over it. Let me explain something to you. I want everybody in here to be pure. Everybody to be pure. A revival type church service is our direction. I never want the music to be lethargic. I don't want the preaching to be lethargic. Uh, I like teaching, but this will be a ministry that is built on preaching and then teaching. So, listen to this, and I'm finished. John 17, verse 20 through 23. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one... As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. I think the Lord said, just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all unified, they were one. God said, now you turn around in the New Testament church and learn how to behave yourself to the point that the world says, look at that. You, can't, you don't find any air in between them. How do you do that? One spirit, one heart, one mind, one judgment, one walk. Now you say, but, but how do you get that with imperfect people? You may never get it, but you ought to all be striving for it. Striving for it. One. 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 If you're new in the church, you need to develop an understanding of the, the great need of this. There's some of you that have been in the church for a while. You lost track of it. Push the reset button. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never been born again, you ought to get saved. You ought to... Let God save you. Let God move into you. That way you can be one with Him. That's what He mentions there in that passage of Scripture. If you're not saved, you're on your own. And being on your own will cause hell to be your future. But if you'll trust Christ and let Him save you, you can go to heaven someday when you die. Is there anybody here that would say, Preacher, I'm not saved. If I died today, I don't know for a fact I'd go to heaven. I need to be born again. Pray for me. I need to be saved. Would you raise your hand and say, That's me. I need to be born again. I see a hand and there's another. You say, I'm not saved. I need to be saved. 
In a minute, we're going to give an altar call. You come. The men that are sitting on this platform will stand down front at the end of each aisle. If you're not saved, you just walk up to them and tell them that you want to be born again. If you've been saved and you've never made it public, I wish that you would come. If you've been saved and you've never been baptized, I wish you would come. Maybe you just need to come and spend a moment at this altar. Maybe you need it. Maybe you say, I wonder, am I a contributor to the unity of my church or the disunity? And I'm not saying anybody's perfect, but I am saying we ought to be striving for it. And we ought to watch everything we say, everywhere we go, everything we do, so we do not disrupt that unification between the church and Jesus and each other, because that will destroy a revival quicker than your individual sin.